Welcome to the Forest Grove United Church of Christ podcast. In this episode, we will be exploring a topic that can be difficult to talk about, but is an inevitable part of life, death and dying. This is part one of our series on this topic, and we hope to offer a space for reflection, discussion, and even comfort as we navigate this universal experience together. Whether you're someone who has experienced the loss of a loved one, or simply curious about how different cultures and religions approach death, we hope that this conversation will be meaningful and thought-provoking. Pastor Brendan is joined today by Terry Wyberney, who you might remember from episode six of our podcast. Let's listen in. Welcome and thank you to all our listeners today. Today, I uh, today we have Reverend Terry Wyberney on our podcast to talk about death and dying. Terry was called specifically to hospice ministry. We're but we are both uh, ministers, and in our calls, in our on this path that we both walk, uh, we have the honor, the privilege the opportunity to walk with people in the time of death. Uh, we're, we're talking to Terry today because in terms of her ministry and her call to ministry, she felt specifically moved to focus on hospice exclusively and be a minister to uh, those walking through dealing with death and dying. And so, Terry, what what called you specifically to hospice ministry? What inspired you to focus on death and dying in your ministry? I don't know if it was so much an inspiration as an insistent push. My first experience with death was at 16. I My grandmother died. And then when I was 20, my 18-year-old brother died and saw the the wreckage of of our family with that change and then um i attended two funerals fairly close together one was for an 80 year old father of a friend and the other was for my 18 month old niece the memorial for the 80 year old was so unsatisfying and i left thinking if those were the last words that were said in public about my dad, I would have been so upset and so angry. And the woman who officiated the 18-month-old's memorial service described a life that was so full and so joyful and, and rich in 18 months. And I thought, that's how lives should be remembered. I thought, I'll just officiate funerals. But being with people at the time of their death and being with families after death is really, really intimate. And I didn't think um, a weekend course in funeral officiating was adequate. And so that started my journey into seminary and then into training to be a chaplain. And you from the get go, you, you mean you can't learn how to be a sensitive <laughs> uh, minister to those moving through death and dying? By going online and becoming a minister in the Church of Universal Life? <laughs> well, you know, it it's amazing that there are just a few more things that are good to know yeah. before you uh, jump into that. And, and with funerals and dying, you don't need any official accreditation. You can just do it. 
But like I said, it's such an intimate time and the potential for damaging someone's memory or causing harm to a family at that time um, is great. And I did not want to do that. So um, went went the longer route with with some pretty intensive education. And it was wonderful. In your work in hospice and in caring for people and families facing death and dying, uh, how has your personal experience of death and dying informed that work? How has your uh, personal experience of death and dying uh, informed your spiritual path? Well, it puts me... In my training, my supervisor said, when you're working with someone... Um, you may not have the same experience as them, but try to find an experience near. I've never experienced the loss of a child, but I have an experience near in watching people I love lose a child. I've lost a parent. And and having that, um, recalling those emotions and recalling the um, the depth of feeling at that time really, really, really um, informs my care of people. And in terms of my spirituality, it has it has affirmed my sense that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you've been churched or unchurched. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are. There is a divine spirit within each person and accepting of each person and welcoming that person into some kind of eternity. I don't know what it is, um, but it it assured me that this nebulous thing we call faith is absolutely real. You have you have always had much better words for the theology of things like that than I do. But um, how well, do you describe it? I had a, I was a hospice chaplain for a year uh, after seminary, between seminary and my first call to parish ministry. I feel called to parish ministry, uh, the community building work of that. And in that capacity, I have a perspective of how death and dying is a part of that, is a part of life. And it, uh, I think that um, what I've learned in encountering death and dying i just i describe it i draw from my celtic spirituality uh to sort of describe the space of death there's this concept mm. of the thin space mm -hmm. in celtic spirituality where the veil between the temporal and the eternal is thin the veil between the seen and the unseen is thin uh the realm the, the veil between that which we know that which we can see feel taste and touch and that which we can only feel with the heart that becomes thin and uh and being with people in as they approach death i would describe that space as a thin space and it's an honor to be in that space because the fact of the matter is if we're here you and i are talking we haven't died yet we we can walk alongside people who are moving into that space, but it is, um, it is the unknown 
to us all, if we're being honest, if we're being intellectually, really, and spiritually honest. And we, we need not, I think, fear that uncertainty or try to fill fill the space of mystery and the unknown with certainty. People think faith is about certainty, I think, but actually uh, embracing the the total and complete mystery of de death, it allows us to make space for humble wonder and awe before the great mystery that is ultimately the mystery of life itself that we would that, that in our faith tradition, we would call the presence of God. Uh, but we understandably fear the unknown. I think we fear mystery and we don't like calling it mystery. <laughs> it's been and, my experience. <laughs> and people don't like sitting in that unknown space. It's very uncomfortable to sit in an unknown space or a, a moving space, a shifting space. And it's interesting that you talk about the veil because I use that talking with families a lot. There is a stage of dying where people can be very restless. The dying person can be very restless. And I explained to the family that, you know, they're, they're kind of dancing on the veil at that point and aware of of both sides it, it it is it is a wonder to behold part of my my work i did sh very short training as a death doula and part of my work with those who were actually dying is helping them make their way um across the veil and make sure they were make sure they were um secure and make sure they they felt loved as they let the last little grasp of of um, earthliness go and that moment of of um, release or surrender however you want to describe that moment of death is the most profound sacred mystery to watch it, it is a holy holy moment I'd, I'd love to ask you this question. It's been my experience that embracing the sacred mystery of death with an open heart and being with people in that thin space, whether they're family walking alongside a loved one who is dying or a family that is grieving, grieving or someone who is coming to terms with facing their own death. It is a, a humble honor to witness how the greatest truths in life and things that matter most in our life become abundantly clear. How much, and for me, what I've noticed is for people that is how much did I love? How much have I grown in love? What were the most beautiful moments of love in my life? All the, that is what emerges as the most sacred and important thing. And for me, for me, that points to a faith that, says this experience of awareness, this experience of consciousness, this experience of life is not all for nothing. And that somehow that love that we touch in temporal moments in the here and now on this earthly plane are somehow expressions of a greater and eternal love that we step into and grow into in unimaginable ways, un yet in yet unimagined ways. Uh, when the veil, when this veil we speak of is lifted, and that is what what have you seen in in sitting with the dying emerges those the the, the high points of truth. What are the high points of yeah. truth and meaning that emerge? 
you just said something that made me my brain just explode but being with people there there is um there is a term called conscious dying and it is it is the person who knows they're dying who's aware of their dying who can see the changes feel the changes in their body and are open to experiencing them part of the work i took very seriously was walking with them guiding them and i i um i did imagery with them of being on a road that had ups and downs and often dying has physical contractions and you know each each contraction was a hill and then they'd they'd move, move smoothly and I would encourage them to drop whatever luggage they were carrying on that road and I would identify things you know do you if you have regrets drop that suitcase right now if you have fears drop that suitcase right now and people's breathing would change as they um, heard those words and as they went and several times well I have to back up one of my images of people dying is the people who love them surrounding their bed kind of lifting them up to leave and the communion of saints in heaven or whatever you want to call it, holding their hands open to receive that person. And several times I have been with people, I have watched their pulse stop, their arms raise up and then their breathing stop. And I am certain that they are lifting their hands to grasp those who are waiting for them. And watching that is is you know it it's the mystery what are they reaching for what are they experiencing and i can only know i can only believe that it is loving because their faces are eager and relaxed and thankful i've had uh experiences like like that too people uh, saying that they exp sharing that they are they see their ancestors or departed loved ones present around them maybe they have visions of the expression of the divine that for them was sacred in their life they see the they see their respective uh, faces of the divine it's interesting to be with people who are having this experience of seeing beyond what we are capable of of seeing yes and and i will i will alert families to that you know that if they mention they're seeing people that you don't see or if they're focusing on one corner of the room and you don't see anything it's it's not that nothing's there it's just that we in our earthly bodies aren't seeing what they're seeing mm -hmm. and i've i've also sat with people who are materialists and secular humanists and it's interesting though that um even those who who don't have a belief or as they die have an experience uh or a belief in you know for instance continuity continuity of the consciousness or the spirit after death 
my faith uh, tells points to that being true for me. Um, for me, the idea of this world that we can see being the only world is sort of like thinking the earth is flat. I mean, if we're all like <laughs> traveling at a certain frequency, uh, it seems like the universe, it seems foolish for the universe to go to the trouble of making human beings who have more, there are more synaptic connections. Is that how you say it? Synaptic? I think it's yeah. <laughs> synaptic connections in the human brain than stars in the galaxy. So I, I think that there's more than what we see. That's, that's what my faith tells me. But even people who might not espouse that belief, and I think humbleness would have us respect uh, our materialist brothers and sisters <laughs> and siblings. There is this focus of purpose, a sense that, that becomes clear in, this, in, that, in the corridor leading up to death. Uh, there's this, I've, I've heard uh, people uh, of that perspective express a sense of connection and to everything that exists. And so this experience of connection is an interconnectedness with the universe, indeed. Yes, yes. And not be and, afraid. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, it just helps them not be afraid. I've seen that. Right. And, and I have, I have, um, I have ministered to those people too, and their their anticipation of dying is that the their cells and their body and all the things that they've taken that have given them life will continue to give life to the earth once they're gone. Um, they you know they say I'm going to die, my body's going to decompose. It, it you know my ashes will will be mixed with the ocean and and so even though they they aren't talking about um a spiritual faith belief they are talking about a certainty of being connected even after they die that that is that to me that is understanding the cycle of how living goes on and you know we nurture one another in one way um through our lives whether we're aware of it or not Thank you. That's beautiful. Uh, I wanted to ask also, how do you feel our society views death? Oh, it's the enemy. It <laughs> is the enemy of living and breathing. It is to be avoided at all costs. And um, the, topic. You know, the topic of death. Yeah. It, it, you don't talk about it. You And our medical system works very hard to prevent it. I, um, one of my colleagues had a conversation with an emergency department physician and, um, he, he felt that death was a personal enemy to him. And he worked very hard to keep his patients from experiencing death because he felt that a dying patient was a failure. Our society has, I don't know if they've warped the mystery of death, you know, 75 years ago, a person was laid out in the parlor and people came and they saw the body and it was buried with, um, with great reverence. And as time went by, you know, the bodies had to be preserved and they had to be taken away from the home. And, um, 
and we don't want kids to see dead people and we don't talk about them after they've died. And those things were very, very harmful. And man, I spent, I spent a couple of hours with a woman with Alzheimer's and what we worked out was that she, at six, her mom died and she wasn't allowed to go to the funeral. No one talked about it. And her dad remarried a, a few months later. And so here is this 80 year old woman who was trying to die. She was still bound by this grief of not understanding what had happened to her mom with the belief that death is part of the cycle of life. Kids bury their goldfish with great pomp and circumstance. Why can't they be exposed to grandpa who died and be able to see grandpa not living with the explanation that his body stopped, you know? Um, I think that, uh, I think I expressed this in my, uh, in last week's podcast, I think, uh, I think it's often adults who have more of an avoidance towards uh, death and dying than, than children. Uh, I've seen uh, children and youth make their own rituals around death when a child or young person dies. They talk mm -hmm. about it openly, they're honest about it, they feel it, mm -hmm. and we're all equals before death. I think that our society teaches us that, uh, or it feeds us this message that somehow we all have an 80 year old contract <laughs> and long life is a complete life and a short life is an incomplete life. But the fact of the matter or the truth of the matter is, and this does not deny the, the pain and the tragedy we feel around death and loss. And yet also, it can also be true that every life is complete. Absolutely. Everyone Absolutely. Expression. And being honest about the truth, the in, perhaps the scary truth uh, or sobering truth that we don't have an 80 year, 80 year contract and we're fragile, uh, that can that can allow us to wake up more fully to each moment, to the preciousness of our life and in each moment. And, you know, that is something um, a lot of people say after they've had a death in the family or a death of someone they love, man, hug your, hug your loved ones now because it is precious and it can be gone in a heartbeat. And we still take it for granted. We still take it for granted. Yes, we don't get an 80 year contract, but it's easier to mourn someone who died at 80, who had a full life. And it's hard not to be resentful of the life that ends at two or three. Um, but, but again, we were not promised. We were not promised life without death on earth, acknowledging it. I, I think a lot of, a lot of places in the United States have come back to, you know, letting kids understand things and see things, but it's not as um, open as I would hope it would be. And when I would sit, there were only a few times that kids were actually present when someone died and, and I would encourage them to ask any questions and I would encourage them to touch grandma's hand and feel the difference between grandma's hand now. And because kids have questions that, that could be way out there. And so telling them the truth at a level they understand is much better than having them imagine things. And, and kids believe what they see and they accept what they see and i think it does it disrespects them to um to assume they won't understand 
That's certainly been my experience too. Thank you for listening to the Forest Grove United Church of Christ podcast. We hope you found our discussions and interviews informative and inspiring. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a rating and review to help spread the word. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok for more updates and behind-the-scenes content. And if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to email us at podcast.fgucc.org. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.